The athlete brain is uncommonly quiet, and this is in contrast to, you know, we had previously done work in kids raised in poverty. Wow. Um, kids raised in poverty and with uh, linguistic deprivation, they have excessively noisy brains. Mm. Because, you know, the, 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 the brain, if it's not getting stimulated, will start making things up. Mm -hmm. But so you can imagine a healthy athlete has a quiet brain and gives you a palette upon which um, meaningful information, meaningful sounds can be processed. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Today, Jim sits down with Nina Krauss, a scientist, inventor, and musician. Nina studies the biology of auditory learning at Brainvold's Auditory Neuroscience Lab at Northwestern University. She began her career measuring responses from single auditory neurons and was one of the first to show that the adult nervous system has the potential for reorganization following learning. Her book, Of Sound Mind, How Our Brain Constructs a Meaningful Sonic World, communicates these principles in a narrative digestible to any interested reader. Of Sound Mind is Krauss's love letter to sound, how sound connects us, its biological impact on making us us, and how it affects the world we live in. We're so excited to bring you this episode, and make sure to subscribe to the Good Athlete Podcast. And now, Nina Krauss. So I, I love how holistic this is. Because we've already, before recording, talked about mind and body and sport and music and creativity. But what drew you, what drew you to sound in the first place? Well, I grew up in a family where more than one language was spoken. Incredible. Uh, one of the languages I learned was harmony, how to sing harmony. Oh. I, don't, I don't know how I do it, but I don't know how I speak other languages either. You know, you just kind sure. of do it as a kid. Sure. Uh, my mom was a pianist. Hmm. And so I kind of learned that sound was important. And I, I went to, uh, so I, 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 I didn't major in, uh, what did you, you said you majored in poetry, right? One of my degrees was poetry. Yeah. yeah, so I majored in comparative literature. I was poetry with focus on comparative literature. So comparative literature, I knew some languages. That's I liked to read. I thought, okay, this is good. And then I took biology. It was just a, it was a distribution requirement. Mm -hmm. And I was hooked. I thought, oh, this is great. And then I discovered a book called The Biological Foundations of the Language. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. I've heard of that book, but I think I've only heard of that book through your book, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, and so I thought, oh, the, 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 you know, you can combine these things. Mm -hmm. which And, and it, it turns out, um, you know, one of the things that I, I am good at is um, seeing connections in mm. very different disciplines and, uh, and ideas, which I think makes the work that we do... Um, exceptional mm -hmm. it is also so that's the ecstasy it's also the agony um, because when you're looking for funding mm. funding sources are generally looking for um, say work on traumatic brain injury right or they're looking for work on autism or right. they're looking for on you know and when you combine these things you know for example I'm really interested in combining rhythm and music mm -hmm. and athletics and, you so, know, God help me to find funding because, right. uh, you know, science is, is very 
specialized and siloed. Um, but anyway, so that's that's kind of how I, I got into it first through language and biology, and then I, um, you know, I, I, I play a couple of instruments, not especially well, um, but music has always been a very important part of my life, and uh, I, I study if learning through sound, mm-hmm. and you know, language is one of the things we learn, or we have difficulty learning through sound, and music is another way of learning through sound. Sure. And so I found that, well, you know, music was a really good model for the biological basis of learning through sound. Mm-hmm. So uh, we went in that direction as well. We're continuing to do the language work. We are doing the music work. And then we um, have now, we're doing, for the last 10 years, we've been doing work on, on concussion and athletes. Right. Because, um, well, making sense of sound is one of the hardest jobs we ask our brain to do. Because you're dealing with information that is happening on the order of microseconds. Right. Timing. And so, you know, there are ingredients in sound, pitch, timing, timbre, uh, phase. These are all ingredients that the brain has to make sense of. If you get hit in the head, it's going to disrupt that very, very fine ability to make sense of sound and we can measure this objectively right. because as I'm talking to you now, mm-hmm. the neurons in your brain that respond to sound are producing electricity. Mm-hmm. And if I had some wires attached to your head, I'd be picking up that electricity. Sure. And so we do that with, with athletes or with whoever we're studying. And we can really understand a lot about how, you know, what it takes to make sense of sound. To make sense of sound, I love that. And, and there were, were there three primary domains you said, pitch. Oh, pitch. Well, pitch, timing, timbre, uh, phase, loudness. These mm. are all the ingredients. And mm. and and I like to think of these ingredients of sound as entering the brain, and our brain processes each one of these ingredients uh, both uh, individually and simultaneously. Right. Right. And and I, I like to use the metaphor of a mixing board. You know, thinking mm-hmm. of uh, the faders on the mixing board going up and down depending on our strengths and bottlenecks. So, for example, yeah. if you are an athlete and you sustain a concussion, you have difficulty processing the fundamental frequency of sound, which turns out to be really important for pitch. Mm. So for knowing, you know, like the identity of the speaker. Oh, that's my coach. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Jim. Mm-hmm. That's the sound of, of my, my, my sneakers. Uh, you know, these, so pitch would be the first to go or to be no, affected? No, it just happens to be uh, it, because there are different neural signatures associated mm-hmm. with uh, different um, strengths and weaknesses. So, for example, if you are a musician... Mm-hmm. And by musician, I mean anybody who just regularly plays music. Plays music, sure. Um, you are, your brain automatically, while you're asleep, you don't even know this is happening, um, your brain automatically picks up on the details of timing, mm-hmm. these microsecond timing, and uh, what's important for timbre, which is the harmonics, the harmonics, the harmonics okay. and sound. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're bilingual, you have other strengths. If you have a language disorder, you have other bottlenecks. So, mm-hmm. and it turns out with concussion, the bottleneck, the, 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 the most important, actually, when you first sustain a concussion, many of these ingredients are disrupted, the processing of these ingredients. Many of them are. Many of them are. But as you recover, and really the sustaining the, the largest part of the signature is this disruption of the processing of the fundamental frequency, which is the frequency which is very, it's the element of sound that really helps us recognize what you might call an auditory object, hmm. you know, like sure. Jim. Right. Or, uh, audit- yeah, you right. Know, a, so a, a person's voice, to follow a person's voice. Sure. Because um, sound, I love that idea, an auditory object. Is, sound is a thing in the world, right? It's, yeah, this, uh, this is the sound of, of people cheering. Right. You know, this is somebody's whistling. You know, you right. need to be making sense of right. these different, you need to be able to identify mm-hmm. these different aspects of sound, these different auditory objects, so you can know, mm-hmm. say, as an athlete, do I pay attention to this? Or do I ignore this? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. <coughs> Our guy coach Lim over here. And so vo- head injury in general, is, it's an interesting topic. But volleyball, you see your fair share of concussions, don't you, in volleyball? Every now and then. I think I had the mild one, actually, when I was playing. Did you? Yeah. How, how did it happen? Get, getting hit in the face too fast. And With a ball? <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I mean, those things fly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, but... Did you notice any kind of um, hearing-themed symptoms? You know, did did you uh, find that you were overly sensitive to sound, or did you find that you had a hard time, especially if it was noisy and uh, you were in a in a challenging listening yeah. place? Did you find it was hard to make sense of sound? Yeah, I think for the most part, it felt very like kind of cloudy, kind of muddled together. Yeah, yeah. kind of like because we were, you know, there's a tournament going on, a lot of noise going on. There's all kind of whistles and people cheering, so it's like it all so kind of mixing together. So you couldn't distinguish, maybe. Yeah, it's a lot harder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this is so underrecognized right. because you know now in in in, um, in in physical medicine and sports, um, and certainly with concussion, people are paying attention to vision and balance, mm-hmm. and the sound piece. Right. Is is not even often considered. If you go to a sports right. medicine conference, there isn't very much on that. Although oh, it's, even at it's, the academic level, it's not being talked no, about as much. It, it, wow. it, it is just starting to change. Just starting. Yeah. Um, and and what happens is when people hear me on NPR or the Good Athlete Project, um, I get oceans of correspondence from mm. people saying, you know. I didn't realize right. until I heard you speak that since I had a concussion, I have had a really hard time making sense of what people are saying in you know, a playground, a car, a restaurant, right. um, and often I've been hypersensitive or, right. to sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so this is, I think, a really important part of um, of the work that we're doing that I hope will um, 
will make a difference in terms of concussion oh. care. Well, it has already and will continue to, and that's not fluff. When did I see you speak? That must have been five years ago at least, yeah. right? Huh. It was pre-pandemic. Yeah. It was a while. So, no, it already is for sure. You brought up such an interesting idea. We're such, I feel like people, and this is mentioned in your book too, um, we're so visual, we're so, it, it seemingly, or we prioritize the visual. So when you say, you know, you can see an athlete sort of maybe losing balance and what a clear indicator that might be, visual. Um, you, you can't see those other things. Is that one of the reasons sound has become sort of glossed over, at least to this point? That's one of the reasons. Yeah. It is because sound is invisible. Sound, right. Just like many other of the world's most powerful forces, like gravity. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, we're incredibly visually oriented these days. And mm. also, as our world gets noisier, it mm. gets harder to hear nuances. Sure. And... and that's that's a problem too. Wow, what a metaphor, by the way. As the world gets noisier, yeah, not just from an audio perspective. Yeah, just sifting through all the stuff that's entered the L- world. Let me let me let, let me just take let me digress here. You can tell me. Is so people tell me, um, I'm so stressed, I'm mm. so anxious. Oh, I have a hard time focusing. Yeah. And they don't realize, again, it's under-recognized that a lot of this comes from our noisy world. So finally, I think people have a pretty good understanding that if you are hearing very, very, very loud sounds, that that will damage your ears. Sure. But people are not aware that moderate level sounds, you know, Mm -hmm. like an an air conditioner or a a truck outside, um, that this is affecting biologically, it is affecting our brain. Mm -hmm. Um, Sound is our alarm sense. So you can think, you know, we we, evolutionarily, we um, have all organisms that that respond to, to vibration realize that um, the vibrations will carry information about um, is this going to hurt me? Is this something that um, I want to get closer to? Is this um, something I can mate with? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, th- th- these are really important survival cues. So we are super tuned mm-hmm. biologically, mm-hmm. intrinsically to sound. to sound. Sound is our alarm sense. Um, which is why, you know, in the night, if you hear a sound Mm -hmm. that is not uh, your typical sound, you know, you're you're going to uh, respond to it. Right. If, you know, my neighbor turns, uh, opens up their car, and every time they lock and unlock the door, I have to, you know, we we, we we just hear these sounds that, 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 aren't necessary so these are things that we can actually change Mm -hmm. you know we don't have to be alarmed for so many of the things that we are alarmed for which then gets into our um ability to focus Mm -hmm. but think about think about you know there could be a truck outside the window which there often is and the truck's idling and we would be talking here, we wouldn't even know 
that the truck was out there, except you'd probably be picking it up on your sound level. Um, but, you know, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't notice it was there. And then the guy would kill the ignition and we would just go. <sighs> so, you know, we don't even know mm-hmm. that the stressor is there until right. it's gone. Right. But your body knows. But your body knows. So, That's right. so there are so there are things mm-hmm. that we can do in the same way as I mean, we have to make choices. If we want to be flexible, we want to be strong. Mm-hmm. We want to uh, make music. We want to uh, do things that are healthy for us. Right. And one of them is really spending a little more money on an air conditioner that's going to be quieter. Quiet. Wow. This is so okay. So I want to take, I want to jump into a case study immediately from that, if that's okay. So say I have a friend who is especially sensitive to sound because let's I mean, this is a hypothetical, not totally, but for this case. And this friend has a bit of a trauma history, and is on relatively constant alert, and sometimes has a tough time sleeping. Is this person? better suited for living in the city where they have to sort of make sense and process these things? Or would you recommend they move to a quieter place? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, what you're talking about is a very real phenomenon. And and people who have had uh, traumas of one kind or another really are generally on alert. And sounds will make them react in a way that is um, overreact, you might say. Uh, and it does get in the way of, of mental, physical, emotional health and sleep. Um, but I'm not going to give you an answer not, right, right. of, oh, well, this person should live here or there. Uh, you know, for most complicated questions, there really is no answer. There is no dose. Uh, you right. you have to be sensitive to There's the individual. Dose. I mean, right. if, if the individual's whole life is in a city... Well, then, you know, he, he or she needs to figure out, right. um, you know, what, 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 what can be, they do? But, but you know, yeah. for, for example, turning yeah. off all of their notifications. Oh, huge. And, and, and yep. you know, and, and, yep. and, and, and asking their friends mm-hmm. to do the same. Right. I mean, that's just one thing. If Once you're aware of it, there's so many things that we can do. Oh, my goodness. Oh, isn't awareness like an understanding? Isn't that the first step to so many things? That's what we found, at least. We, you know, to, to gain awareness of a concept, to bring awareness to it, to understand at least on some degree, it feels like the unraveling of challenge begins there. Because then you at least have some say, some agency. Well, well think about think about an, an, an airport. Mm-hmm. An airport is inherently a noisy place, oh, yeah. right? I mean, planes make noise and conveyor belts. But do we, every time a boarding pass is scanned, do mm-hmm. we have to hear it go beep, beep, mm-hmm. beep? You know, I mean, we can hear this two gates away. Right. This is not necessary. Mm-hmm. So, so, so just, just being aware of this. Is that what you put in the category of noise pollution? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and pollution and, and noise. This is not my quote. This is a, a quote by um, uh, Ed Young. Um, and he says, uh, noise is the pollution of disconnection. Ooh. And, and, and I think that that's really wise 
also because I think that uh, sound connects us. Mm-hmm. Sound connects us in 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 a way that nothing else I can really think of does. Sound connects us. I mean, like right now, you and I are talking. There's this back and forth. There's right. what uh, Ian McGilchrist, another wonderful author, calls mm-hmm. betweenness. You know, like I don't have a script. You don't right. have a script. Right. We're we're and and this happens on the field. You know, there's kind of this back and forth. This back and forth. And it really happens often and beautifully through sound. Mm. Um, and if you, there's noise that is just not part of what we're trying to communicate, it's it will disconnect us. Yeah, without question. This is I'm having some serious wheels turning right now. This is incredible. The okay, I'm trying to think which thread to pull at. One of them is, I'm going to go back to this hypothetical case study because you say that this is a more more common than one might think. The said principle, I might talk about it on every podcast, specific adaptation to imposed demand. So do you think, is there some, could someone who is hyperattentive, experienced trauma, listening, would you, is there a case for sort of exposing oneself to the noises of the city and reframing? Is that like some degree of exposure therapy almost? Or do they need, or should we come back? Or, or sh- You know, again, I, I would say that this is a, a multifaceted yeah, issue. There's some, right. And there's so many ways of getting, um, of dealing with it. I think, right. you know, one of it is, it, it, you know, yes, there is the, the idea of, of when you become used to something, it is not startling and alarming right. as much, right? The car door um, closing no longer yeah. makes you jump out of bed. On the other hand, there are so many things that we can do in our environment to not create sounds that make us jump. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's fair. I th- I've come to think of that more and more. I'll just take it to, to coaching. Coach over here knows that if I want to, I can project my voice. I, I, can, I can do that. I played football for a long time. And even just by nature of the space to, to allow your voice to carry from a player to a coach, that is a, that's something that I've built over time. And I'm just far more selective in the use of that now. I don't default to that level of intensity largely. I think at first I did it subconsciously. Now I'm far more intentional about it. But I try not to activate people in that way. Mm-hmm. I've, I've found like the intensity that uh, the sound of a big voice might bring to a situation. Uh, you, you mentioned the board, the equalizer. It, it, it pulls down the capacity for learning mm-hmm. often cases, mm-hmm. especially if we're in populations where... You know, there's some tough stuff going on in the south side of Chicago. And a lot of those kids have been through a lot. And if you bring intensity, noise intensity, noise pollution to those moments, uh, you, you can almost see it. It's shutting. They, they begin to shut down. So no, so you're, you're closing the door to the learning that you're hoping to convey just through that intensity. But there's also, um, you know, as in music, there are very loud moments mm-hmm. and sure. there are very you know pianissimo very quiet moments and you use a beautiful word you use those two 
you know, mm. extremes and everything in between, right. I think, right. in sound to mm. help mm. make your voice. I mean, if you're just going to be a blowhard and just, you know, we have to listen to, to you and your great big just voice all the time, right. it's just going to, right. you know, make us tense. And, and and doesn't it become its own sort of white noise yeah. to a degree? If you're always, if you oh, talk about guy. disruption for sake of attention, sometimes pianissimo, we might have to teach this to coaches, <laughs> you know, because sometimes in an environment like that, Pulling someone aside and coming down is exactly the, the sort of attention getter. That'll bring one into attention yeah. just yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So having that, the range of tools in the, in the vocal toolkit, I suppose, that's big. So, so I want to I tell you a couple things like about that. sound. First of all, I accept that. our hearing brain is vast. Yep. And, you know, first we were talking about how people don't realize, um, they don't, realize that sound is such a powerful force in our lives in the first place. But they also don't realize, when they think of the hearing system, they think of the ear, and then maybe they'll think of just certain pathways in the brain that respond especially to sound. But the hearing brain is vast in that it engages what we know, Mm -hmm. how we think, our memory, how we combine information from all our senses, how we feel our emotions, how we feel, and even our viscera. You know, have you mm-hmm. ever noticed how food tastes off when mm-hmm. you're on an airplane? Mm-hmm. You know, I think Ooh. that there's something, and, and scientists have, have studied this and sure. have found <laughs> that it, you know, it's not that there's less humidity, it's actually the sound that changes your appetite because who's hungry when there's an avalanche coming? Right. Are airplanes, is the white noise on an airplane louder than one might suspect? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and that, that's, that's a constant. Interesting. Um, stressor. But uh, so, so anyway, the, 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 I think it's important to think about the sound, um, the hearing brain as being vast mm-hmm. and connecting all of these different um, parts of our biology. So, you know, the fancy way of saying is that, you know, sound engages our cognitive, sensory, motor, and reward systems. Good. Thank you. That's for our fancy listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, scientists have shown this again this, and again yeah. and again. And so we know this. Yeah. Well, I love, and we talked about this before we hit record, engaging memory. And, and I'll, I'll just quickly share that story. The, uh, I, I heard, I heard, I'm just going to say it. I heard my dad discipline my nephew and with, with a voice that he really taps into at this stage of his life. And I'm telling you that I, and this is, you know, forget the science because I don't have anything behind it. I wasn't hooked up to a machine, but I'm telling you that part of me physically went back to being five, six years old. I, f- I felt it. I didn't just hear it. Yeah. I felt it. And I, and I almost went back in time. It sounds like what you're saying is I was through that auditory input accessing a set of memories to, who knows, brace for what might be to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know, why is it that we say, um, oh, it's so good to hear the sound of your voice. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I feel this every time I've 
talking to one of my kids, you know, because I have a memory, I yeah. know what their voice sounds like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hearing each other's voice is, is just <sighs> engaging memory land. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we, it, it's, 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 it's a vast um, area to draw from. Right. Who sets you off like that? Whose voice really takes you to a different place? Oh, good question. I'd have to think about that. Or is it music? I saw the Grateful Dead sticker on your door. Yeah. Um, but, you know, <coughs> I think many, many, many sounds. Um, certainly, if you're asking me what sets me off emotionally, mm. you know, music, certainly. Right. Um, unnecessary set noise, mm. you know, if, if, if I hear somebody out there with a, um, you know, a leaf blower or an edger or, or something, even yeah. like a block away, you can hear this kind right. of, um, you know, mosquito-like, sure. you know, know exactly. and yeah. so, so, so that will kind of make me, uh, are you, are you, are you super in tune with this now? Is it almost... I mean, you know, I, I, I notice these things, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, you, you kind of, um, you know, in the same way as you learn, you, you, you learn through sound and in the same way as you learn your lang the languages we speak, the music we make, you know, all the memories that we have that are associated with music, yeah. you know, I mean, there's mm -hmm. a reason sure. why, um, you know, we can lose our memory and have Alzheimer's disease or dementia and still respond to the sounds and the music, the music that uh, we have an emotional connection with. Right. You know, even when, 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 yeah. when, when, when you, you're not even recognizing your family members anymore, except maybe through the sound of their voice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you put on something that engages their sure. memory and suddenly you have brought someone back into oh, yeah. the present. You see that on Instagram or whatever all the time. People who are sort of laying in a hospital bed and all of a sudden they're not perhaps totally present, but then they start singing a Motown song and don't miss a single word. Yeah. yeah if you can catch the movie Alive Inside, yeah. it's a wonderful movie about this about a social worker who um, figured out that if you made a playlist for people um, who were having memory problems that um, it would bring people who seemed as though they weren't especially alive and in tune to uh, what was going on around them to just mm. wake them up. Wow. Um, so that's, that, that, you know, again, just speaks to the, the the power of, of, of sound and the power of sound for memory. I mean, think about the fact that we have been, you know, as humans, speaking to each other for hundreds of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. We've only been writing for like 3,000 years right. or so. And so history used to be, you know, completely carried down by uh, bards, Mm -hmm. well, the poets, yeah, right. The poets, Songs, yeah. singing poetry, yeah, absolutely. And and and, and you know, I, I think it was, uh, Socrates was um, really worried 
when people started writing mm. that we would dull our memories and, uh, and yes, i think yeah. i think that that's true i think that's true too it, it, absolutely what's the um, there's a study out there that is it the maybe the the london taxi drivers yeah. right yeah. isn't that the one where where they all of a sudden in the, in the presence of gps when they no longer had to find their own way around the city certain areas the brain actually shrunk or did not develop one way or the other but they were significantly different but this uh, so this is why we have to think about our choices right if every time we want to know something we ask google instead right. of racking our brains mm. we are not you know about calisthenics yeah you know, we're, we're not exercising your brain. You're, you're, you're that, 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 that's... Said principle, once again, it's such a boring concept, but specific adaptation imposed demand. If you no longer impose the demand of recall, intentional recall on the circuits of the brain, why would it stay good at that, right? It would, it would I don't know if atrophy is the right word, but at least you wouldn't walk those neural pathways anymore, right? You got to go back. I recommend that to folks all the time. I say folks, I'm literally talking about my own folks, my own parents. But you know, like um, if they if they can't come up with someone's name, I'm like, we have no time pressure. Yeah. Let's sit here with it until it comes back. Yeah. We'll, we'll and if work. it doesn't, so what? Yeah, exactly. Huge. Okay, that you now you're bringing me down another thought line. I think shame is such an incredible impediment to learning, almost always. To the listener who may be having hearing problems, or maybe they know someone who, who is having hearing problems. Can you tell us why they should uh, forego the shame and own that problem and potentially get like a, you know, a hearing aid if you are an advocate? Oh, Jim, you weren't listening. Solved. I told you already. Tell me, I told you, I told you that, <laughs> that the hearing brain is vast. Vast. And it, it engages how we think. Yeah. So that if we're not hearing mm -hmm. what's being said, we're not thinking as well. And yeah. that is a real problem. Moreover, if you have the sense mm. of somebody talking, mm -hmm. but you're not understanding what they're saying, mm. you're going to feel paranoid. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. So, you know, those are just two reasons. And that's interesting. Some of those secondhand outcomes. So not only are you not walking the vast pathways of the brain, but now you've started to collect other concerns. Paranoia. I would say that it builds, I think the shame probably compounds. You, you're sitting in a conversation with people, you can't quite hear the one on the other side of the dinner table, and, and what do you do? You just gloss over it or, or pretend it didn't happen and disconnect. You, just, you know, I mean, it. sound is go. our, it sound connects us. And mm -hmm. if you get disconnected, mm -hmm. um, then, you know, maybe you then don't go to your yeah. grandbaby's birthday party because Ugh. it's too noisy. And you, you know, you, you, you become more socially isolated. Mm -hmm. Isolation. Can I talk about athletes? Please. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yes. I love this. I, I have some notes here that I was going to ask about. That's way more. I want to talk about chinchillas, but that's way back in the beginning of your story. We can mm -hmm. pass over that. Let's jump right into athletes and okay. rhythm is a component of oh, this. Oh, yeah. So we have been studying our... All of our Division I athletes here at Northwestern University through this NIH grant that we have that enables us to measure the brain's response to sound on every one of these athletes at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season. So mm -hmm. all four, 500 athletes, males, females, across all of the sports. And we 
have been interested in, well, first of all, our most important measure is a measure of sound processing in the brain. Mm -hmm. So we just put a couple of electrodes on the scalp and some earbuds in the ear and deliver some sounds, carefully Mm -hmm. crafted sounds that have all the ingredients, pitch, timing, timbre in them, and we can get a good sense of how well an athlete uh, can make how, how his brain processes the sound and the athletes love it oh yeah because well you know athletes work really hard sure and we when we record the brain's response to sound they get to sit in a comfy chair they right. can sleep right oh, you know, wow. i mean what we're really measuring Even sleeping brain yeah oh, well wow. because when Incredible. we learn something deeply sure. It's there when we're awake and asleep. This is what we've become. Mm-hmm. Our life and sound really makes us us. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're sound asleep and then I say the say your name, mm-hmm. the, your brain, even though you're sound asleep, oh, yeah. is going yeah, right. to respond oh. respond wow. to the sound of your name because you've learned mm-hmm. this is important. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, so the athletes come, they get paid, they get to sit in the comfy chair, they finally get to rest. And, you know, in about 15 minutes or so, we, they wish that it would last longer, mm-hmm. um, but we can get the information that, that we need. So w- one of the things that we learned is we compared uh, the brain responses of about 500 of our Division I athletes to brain responses of other Northwestern students. So, sure. you know, they were really matched in terms of a lot of demographic variables. And we found a couple of things. First of all, we discovered that the athlete brain is uncommonly quiet. Oh, wow. So our brain is is always on and there's electricity, neurons are firing often, you know, kind of randomly. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is on this background of neural activity that we make sense of the world. Turns out, the athlete brain, and, and this, you know, we weren't looking for this. This was a serendipitous uh, discovery, is uncommonly quiet. And this is in contrast to, you know, we had previously done work in kids raised in poverty. Wow. Um, kids raised in poverty and with uh, linguistic deprivation, they have excessively noisy brains. Mm. Because, you know, the the... the, the the brain, if it's not getting stimulated, will start making things up. Mm-hmm. But so you can imagine a healthy athlete has a quiet brain and gives you a palate upon which um, meaningful information, meaningful sounds can be processed. So that was a discovery. And, and you know, I hope you can, maybe you can link to some of the, the article so Without that, that people people yep. can can just have them into the lab into we yeah. will absolutely yeah. um the New York Times uh, caught this one but it's if, if you go to our concussion page mm-hmm. on our website you can download all of our articles Love it. um the other thing we discovered is you know so sound consists of these different ingredients and it turns out that um the athletes are especially good at picking up some of these elements, mm-hmm. especially some of the elements of timing. Yeah. And uh, so the responses to sound are stronger mm. in these healthy 
elite athletes compared to um, you know our, our, our typical student sure. who is not um, you know a super a super duper athlete sure right so so we've learned that it's very interesting now what happens if you get hit in the head it's a great question so you know we have discovered that uh, the brain's response to sound is altered mm-hmm. and in particular you know when, when you first, have a concussion, many of the different ingredients of sound are disrupted, the processing of these different ingredients, but particularly the processing of the fundamental frequency, which is an important pitch cue, Mm. that gets disrupted. Um, We also can see a legacy of a previous concussion. Yeah. Well, so uh, what we did is we we took our healthy players. This was this was just um, football players. This was one of our earliest studies uh, when we hadn't enlarged to all of the the large cohort. Right. Um, and we found that in we compared the brain responses in athletes who had had a history of a previous concussion and those who did not have a history of a concussion, of a diagnosed concussion. And we saw that the response to the fundamental frequency was it was in the normal range, okay. but it was on the low end of normal. And this is pre? This is, this yeah. is you know, with no concussion at the time. These are right. athletes right. who are playing, mm-hmm. but they have this history of concussion, mm-hmm. which already, you know, if you... Um, compare athletes the same sport same position right um who that's incredible uh, have had a history of concussion compared to those who didn't you can see that that the responses are measurably smaller and as i'm saying still within Mm -hmm. the normal range but on the low end yeah than the guys who did not have a concussion and do you think that, is there any, did you find that they were then predisposed to future injury in any way? We don't know. Yeah. You know, because fortunately concussions are not that common. Right. That right. we Thanks could actually right. have the numbers to look at this. But what I can tell you is that in the athletes who play high impact sports, so mm-hmm. football and soccer especially. Sure. Um, and especially in the males we see that just playing these sports, so now we're looking at, you know, can we get a biological measure of a sub-concussion? Right. Wow. So these are athletes who've never been diagnosed as a concussion, but they, as having a concussion, but Mm -hmm. they are playing Mm -hmm. these very high-impact sports, high contact, and you can see, in fact, so, you know, when you have a concussion, the strength of the fundamental frequency and this, this pitch cue in response to sound is diminished. Mm-hmm. If you compare the high contact sports compared to, uh, you know, swimming or diving. Cross or, country. Right. I'm sure. Then uh, you find that all, already, if you will, you can see this evidence which we think is evidence of subconcussion, mm-hmm. subconcussive injury wow. in these athletes. Mm. 
And this is a paper that just recently came out. Oh wow! Um, and 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 you know, I, I think it's important, and also important to be able, you know, to, for athletes and trainers to have this measure so that you can know because mm-hmm. you know, everybody's different, and 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 you know, one athlete may be really susceptible That's to exact, right. Right. To, 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 to injury. And so if you have a biological measure that shows, you know, oh, you know mm-hmm. I'm already seeing this susceptibility here um, right. in this very high contact athlete, um, then you might look at that person maybe a little bit differently right. than one right. who is really just not showing the effects or at least... Right. We're not being able to measure biological effects. That of feels the like meaningful information to have. Yes, <laughs> I would say so. That's incredible. And you don't have to be dead to see no. this information. That's right. <laughs> you know? That is, it, it's so compelling. I wonder, and I don't want to get us too off this because I'm still interested in the measurement and what you're finding and all that, but can, could you, can you direct therapies from this information? Well, I think that um, concussion therapies have um, they, they've changed mm-hmm. over the years. You know, sure. I mean, at first there was this, you know, no no movement, no exercise That's model. Right. To right, right. Uh, now, mild exercise is a good sure idea, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you know, there are various therapies for. Um, for concussion, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that what we have already is a way of being able to monitor recovery, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, so right. you Return can to play protocol exactly, and, yeah, exactly. So we have that. Um, I'm also especially interested, but you know, we we this this is you know, if, if we could get the funding. To do this work, mm-hmm. it would be wonderful to be able to really look at rhythm yeah. as a therapy to speed right. concussion right. recovery sure. because, I mean, all of the work that we've done in another silo on music mm-hmm. has taught us that, well, you know, one of the most important components of music is rhythm mm-hmm. and not surprisingly, people who just make music and are 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 more they the rhythms their brain rhythms mm. inside their head are more synchronous mm-hmm. than people who don't and rhythm make music. did I, am I do I understand it correctly rhythm is essentially a relationship of sound and time sound and time yeah yeah, yeah. for for I, I love this idea but but there are Programs and, and this is where we, we first of all we you know we have some early data not published showing that um, that athletes who have sustained a concussion are have really poor rhythm skills mm-hmm. they they perform poorer than sure. the norms um, but what we'd really like to be able to 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 to, to do a, a major study on is. Um, th- there's a, a program called Interactive Metronome. I don't know if you've mm. heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's, it. it's a computer-based program where you move rhythmically either your feet or your hands to these kind of slow r- rhythms and you get feedback as to whether you're on or off the beat. It's right. really boring. This is <laughs> not a game 
Right. And, you know, you can really think of it as a kind of therapy that you would do maybe 20 minutes a day for a couple of... Interactive um, metronome. It's called interactive metronome. And it is something that um, I think has the potential to speed recovery. I love that But But I don't know. And, well, uh, well that's know, why people need to give you money so that we can find out. If you go <laughs> to our website, www.brainvaults.northwestern.edu, and I'm sure Jim will uh, provide a link. If you just Absolutely. look at the top bar, it says Donate. Yeah. And if you click on Donate, it'll take you to a page, but you can't just donate because... If you donate without checking, donate to the Auditory Neuroscience Laboratory, mm, okay. the money will just go to Northwestern's coffers. Uh, but if you click the box, which is right there conveniently for you, <laughs> if you click that box that says Auditory Neuroscience Lab, it comes straight to us. And then we can use it to do this work. Well, that sounds very user-friendly. And how silly would it be to avoid that direction we will definitely include links and maybe even supplemental directions for that i think it's so interesting and, and um, i remember when i first heard, heard you speak you have this these you mentioned return play protocol pre and post tests we would often take i don't think we subjected people to post tests unless they experienced a concussion we thought they had in football specifically, I'm saying. But they had these concussion tests where it was, it was almost like an IQ test. I think it was measuring processing speed. And if you had a concussion, one of the early things that they the training staff would do was, was have you retake the test. And you essentially, you couldn't begin a full return to play protocol until you were back up to that standard. Interesting, an in, uh, in early step in this whole safety process. But I remember people... Sandbagging being deliberately slow on the front end so that no one could tell them See, if coach, they could or could. Right. I wasn't very good yeah, at I'm this. Fine. Legitimately, yeah, seriously. What, and, what, and what you've done is you've taken the, the user element out of it. This is irrefutable. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. you can do. Yeah, You right. can't will it one way or another. Right. You, you are what you are. You are what sound. you are. Right. And how long, I think I remember from this presentation, though it was years ago, how long does that take to process? Meaning, like, could an NFL team bring this to the sideline and evaluate a player, say? It, it doesn't take long to process. I mean, yeah. it, it takes us a long time to process because uh, we are doing it in our lab without right. the fancy um, uh, gizmos that, mm-hmm. you know, a NFL or Google or... Um, mm-hmm. Microsoft even would have um, resources to create a user-friendly, fast interface. So the information is available, Mm. but it takes us at this point some time time to process it. But it could be, I mean, this is one of the areas that I would love to see developed so Mm -hmm. that people could have access to this measure, you know, it's 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 one more measure. It's right. one more right. measure of right. an athlete's health, and one more piece of information that someone can take into consideration when they are considering sure. return to play or um, you know therapeutic uh, decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. 
I remember thinking that, you know how they go under the tent on the sideline? Have you seen that for NFL games? They'll take the, athlete, the injured athlete under the tent. Put it on them. Yeah. That feels like exactly the right time. Look at the science. Yeah. And so we, we spend a lot of time um, on our website, you know, mm-hmm. developing our website, making it user-friendly. And especially if you go to the concussion page, you mm-hmm. will find all of the articles that we've written about concussion. Love it. That, and, and about the healthy athlete, mm-hmm. which you can just download. Also, you know, as I talk about the website, which is there for donating, it's there for going to the concussion page, but if you just look at the home page, you'll see that at BrainVolts, which is what I call our lab, mm-hmm. um, we study bilingualism, music, concussion, rhythm, aging, hmm. autism, reading, all of these things. And, and you might ask yourself, what are they even doing at Brain Volts? Hmm. It's all under the umbrella of sound in the brain, right. Right. which tells us that sound really encompasses almost right. everything we care about. Everything. What, it's, it's this incredible, invisible, connective tissue that we all ought to be more aware of. Other thing that I really hope that people will do is um, is read my book. It's called Of Sound Mind: How Our Brain Constructs a Meaningful Sonic World. It is thoroughly researched. It is conversationally written. It has lots of personal stories. You'll hear all about well a lot of personal stories, mm. uh, and it has 80 original illustrations. I worked with a graphic artist Amazing. to, you know, because science is an art. Without question. Without question. Okay, I don't want to take you from that, but I wrote down a quote from your book. It is an art. It's also a deeply human endeavor. Yeah. Tell me if I've got this right. You describe it as a humble attempt to cast a little light into the vast darkness of our ignorance. I love that. Stuart Firestein, have you heard that name? Yeah. The book Ignorance. Yeah. So humbling and incredible, uh, and a call to curiosity, if nothing else. I think there's there's room for that here. I, ha- I there, there was something I wanted to ask earlier. You measured all sorts of athletes. Was there? What was the? Did you get any notable numbers in the frequency? of injury as measured by sound? Like do some sports, you mentioned two high collision sports. Was it pretty distinct across sports, would you say? Well, that's a hard piece to really understand currently, which is why we have uh, submitted our competing renewal for this NIH Mm. grant Mm -hmm. uh, in order to bring the concussion ends, Mm -hmm. the concussion, you know, N as in numbers, um, up mm-hmm. so that it would allow us to, to look to, to, you know, to, yeah. to, to look more in depth across sports. I mean, currently, mm-hmm. you know, the largest teams mm-hmm. are football and soccer. Yeah, right. So, right. you know, the, you just have those numbers working for you. But if you, if you continue to do this work, which is, um, you know, I, I, the, the, the infrastructure is um, is all in place, and as we continue to study our athletes, we are becoming more statistically powerful mm, to right. be able to 
specifically address your question. You know, what what about the different sports? Right. And and I think that we can. This is a, you know this is actually as as opposed to so many things in science, this is actually a question that has an answer. Right. Right. This is something you can measure. Sure. As opposed to the many things that we can't measure mm-hmm. that are important and the things that we haven't even thought about to measure. Well, and that's interesting. That's like Stuart's book, right? If we, if we can get our hands around that, then all that does is open up a ne- the next set of important questions. And so what do we do about it? How do we make sports safer? How do we uh, adapt therapies to better support athletes? Uh, yeah, the, the, the questions are almost endless. And and this is important too. I mean, I, I it's been wonderful. It's great to be working with our Northwestern athletes mm-hmm. and with our... Um, our trainers and you know, everyone there because number one is athlete safety yeah, for them. That's right. And they will, and, and, and you know, they know that uh, concussion can, can, can harm people, mm-hmm. um, but they also know concussion's not going to go away. Right. And right. so how can we make the game safer? How can we make, right. keep our athletes safe? And so, you know, the Northwestern, hmm. the whole group um, has very bravely, you know, and, and competitively, you know, mm-hmm. they, they want to be the leaders in right. concussion care mm-hmm. and, and they want to be the leaders in athlete safety. And this is the way they operate. I think that's fantastic. Will you push back on me if I steer you into this the wrong direction? The, our, our modern concept of concussion, I mean, would you say that head injury is part of life, as, as strange as that sounds? But I mentioned my nephews earlier. I watched those two little guys bounce around <laughs> like lunatics are all over the backyard, right? So yeah. this is something, I, I think when we first, I think when the, when the world of sports first became aware of what a serious issue we were dealing with, I think we took almost a let's put this in the corner or stop it or cut this limb off the tree, so to speak. And I don't think that's a reasonable uh, yeah. solve. And and most importantly, being fit and flexible and strong is one of the very best, best, best things that one can do for one's health. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, you know, we, we, we really, yeah. um, and, and, you know, I've, I've come at this and I, I, um, from, from a, a family history of my uncle Hans, mm-hmm. if you check out Hans Krauss on Wikipedia, you'll realize that here's this guy who, oh, I guess in the fifties or so did studies on European children and on, um, American children and found that the European children were more flexible and stronger mm. on various, you know, those tests that we ended up taking in, sure, in school. Sure. You know, can you touch your toes? How many sit-ups can you do? Absolutely. Um, and, 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 and so Hans, uh, together with Eisenhower and others, started the Council of Physical Fitness mm. to really make people aware that physical fitness is something for every child not just for the kid who can make varsity That's but right. should be really part of every child's education so um i've kind of been living and and, and breathing this idea yeah. well i and, and if we're all right maybe we bring this full circle with that kind of idea the, like we're embodied 
Isn't that just a universal truth of the species? We're embodied, we all hear as a universal truth. You mentioned this in the book too. Is, am I right to say that, that all vertebrates here, not all of them have sight, for example? But it, so these are some just universal truths of our human condition. Um, they deserve to be looked at with greater understanding. They're, they're part of this whole thing to move, for example. Uh, can you touch on that just as an anecdote? I know it's not fully aligned with your research in oh, yeah. particular, but yeah. Uh, but I'd love the, so the word embodied. Um, so it, a wonderful book is called The Eyes of the Skin. It is by a Finnish architect called Juhani Palazma. And, you know, in architecture, and, and his, his point is that, um, you know, in architecture, everybody's looking at the visual. Mm-hmm. And as we touched on before, the, our world is in just increasingly, we're so focused on what you can see. Right. And he says that in architecture, uh, architecture is so much more than what you can see. It is a very embodied experience. You walk into a place and it has a feel and it has a sound. And, uh, you know, we need to be aware yeah. of that embodiment. Right. And I, 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 think, um, I think he's right. <laughs> I think he's right, too. I think he's right, too. And uh, not a prediction machine, but the, the brain is a prediction organism. And if I would suggest we have we have some frameworks that I'll have to share with you at some time if you're open to them at all. But I think they're pretty interesting, all in the realm of uh, dynamic psychology and acknowledging like sort of a holistic approach to we should be attentive to the way we sleep and eat and move and hear and and all of these pieces of our environment. If we ever want to, we put it under the guise of achieve our highest order of performance. But really, it's if you just want to exist happily within the world, it's worth paying attention to these things. Yeah, and, and the word you know, holistic is a big one. And, yeah. and you know, as I said before, the hearing brain is vast and is a much more holistic experience than, yeah. um, than most people think it is. But I think that looking at anything holistically has tremendous merit. Do you think we have more of an appetite, maybe more capacity now than we did before to see things broadly like that. I hope so. I am not seeing. I am not seeing very much evidence for that. Think, I, I, yeah. I think that there are a lot of forces, unfortunately, in our lives that make us, um, you know, kind of need to make yes/no choices. Yeah. Well, that's the other that the other antidote to having there be so much is you lock onto your thing, your little piece of the world. That you already get, which can be dangerous, and I don't mean to push us down a political digression, but that certainly is one example of how that works. Well, you're amazing. So are you. Hmm. I appreciate you saying that. So I'll, I'll accept it. But you, <laughs> my first comment is the one that holds and matters. Uh, we will absolutely we'll attach as many links as we can. We'll put this all over social media and things of that nature. Find find notes in the show notes of this podcast. Come to our website. Come to, the, to your website. We'll just link. If you come to ours, we'll link it back. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have plenty of avenues to find uh, more on this work. Where else, other than what you've already mentioned, do you have a... I know you have an Instagram account, right? Mm-hmm. Does BrainVolts have one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're so on all the social media. All those platforms. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so people can stay in tune. And I would suggest that if you're a, if you're a coach or a parent or even an athlete... 
uh, listening to this, you owe it to yourself or to your team or to those in your charge to try to equip yourself with this understanding. This feels incredibly meaningful. And once these grants come through, once the money comes through, I mean, this has the potential to change athletics as we know it, at least from a player safety perspective. So thank you for that. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them is up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T.com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.